Big H, how we doing? Doing well, Rosie. How you doing over there? Not, not too bad. Not too bad. I had, I had a, a, a light rant. I want to get your thoughts on this. And I make this comparison. So, you know, sometimes when you ask, like, friends to, to do a play date, right? And, like, there's two ways to look at it, in my opinion. Uh, one is, obviously, with the weather and stuff. You have those kids over, you know, either house or whatever. And it's kind of like, uh, it's a lot sometimes. So, if there's, like, four or even two of them in, like, one place. And, you know, for a couple mm-hmm. hours, it could be too much. So, if you suggest back, like, I don't know if this is, like, okay to do. Let's say you suggest back, like, let's do a play date at the park, right? Which sounds nice because then you have the potential to meet other kids and stuff like that. But on the other side, is it kind of like a diss to them when you respond that way? What do you think if you say play date at the park? Uh, I mean, I personally, if somebody did that to me, I personally would not be offended by that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think a park... You know, it, I mean, obviously, it depends on, like, what is happening. If it's an outdoor versus indoor, even if it's, you know, COVID, non-COVID. Like, if it's – it depends on what's in – what like, what activities are at the person's house. Like, you know, it's not necessarily to be a diss, but, like, if you're going to have a play day, like, the kids need to be entertained by something. And you can't just right. put them on the couch and watch TV. Um, it's got, you know, do you have a playground backyard? Do you have outdoor toys? Do you have toys inside? And, like, every house is different. Every setup is different. Every backyard space is different. So – Playground, you know, I kind of look at it, and this is going to be even a weirder analogy, is like you're going on a first date with someone. You don't necessarily want to rely on, like, the conversation being fantastic if you're just meeting them for the first time. You want to have, like, an activity involved to rely on, like, oh, we can at least focus on the activity to entertain ourselves if, like, the date's not going well or if, like, the conversation sucks. Right. I kind of look at it the same way with the kids. Like, if the toys suck or, like, it's not a great space, like, the playground has a ton of options that they can entertain themselves with. And it has the feature of like, you kind of let them run off and, and, you know, play, you can kind of just hang back and, and relax. So you're not necessarily to be like on top of them. So first of all, your dating analogy spot on. I was going to, I was actually going to go there. Um, <laughs> so my thing is like, cause for me, here, here's what it is, right? Like my, my, I, I hate to, I hate to throw them under the bus. My kids kind of suck at hosting during play dates. Like we always tell them like, can we have a play date? Can we have a play date? And then obviously, if we're initiating it, you have to host. I can't be like, "Hey, uh, let's right. do a play date and let them go to your house." That's such a dick move, right? Of course, so yeah, that, that. that's a, that's a dick move, no question. Right, right. So then, if we host, we tell them like, "What are you going to do with them?" Because every time they host, five minutes in, they're like, "We're bored." Like, <laughs> God damn it! This just started. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, so now uh, so is the yeah. is the is the other kid's parent with you? during us or they just do a drop off and they like we're out of here sometimes so, so if they're with us it's uh, that then then it's fine right and then right. it's like a double play date. I'm, I'm getting a play date too which is great um but, <laughs> but uh no if it's a drop off it's typically a drop off right so i prefer i prefer to be like let's do the park now when i say that back i always put myself back and i'm gonna do a nostalgia thing here i put myself back in two stories that i remember for myself and this is the analogy where, like, it reminds me also when I was, like, at Mosheva I.O. And I was in, like, what, sixth or seventh grade. And, like, you know, you get the guts to ask a girl on a Shabbos walk. Right? That's, like, that was the thing to do. Okay? Oh, yeah. And, like, you knew when she responded back, she's like, oh, yeah, could we do a group Shabbos walk? <laughs> 
You know, like, oh, that's not, not the response you're looking for there. Right, exactly. That's what I feel like the playground responses. Or like if you ask, you know, I'm not going to mention the person's name because I can totally do this. Or like in seventh grade when I went on a date once and the person brought like five girls to see Little Mermaid because they weren't so comfortable. I get it. Seventh grade. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot to ask to do one on one for both parties. So it's more of a comfort thing to your point. Right. So but like I, I want to ensure I, I want when I say playground as a response, I want the other person to realize I'm not saying it because like I don't I'm not comfortable or anything. Like that. I'm saying that because like my kids kind of suck at hosting and like right. you're right. Like the park has other things and stuff that they could get acclimated with. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, especially in like close knit communities like parents love to gossip. They love to talk. Um, it's funny because, like, the kids, like, clearly, obviously, are not thinking about this in any way, like, the way the parents are. Not just, like, obviously, their kids, you know, like, pick up on these, like, type of social cues, but, like, it's funny, like, they're just, like, we just play with our friends, like, we don't care where or how or when or what or, like, anything. They just want to hang out. Like, all the other, like, kind of things that go into it, a play day is, like, you know, more thought through, obviously, on the on the adult side. The kid just wants to hang out and play. Right. Uh, which is just, you know, they simplify, obviously, because that's how that's how they're thinking about it. I mean, you know, I hear both sides. I again, like, you know, there are definitely families that, you know, here we were like, we prefer to host as opposed to go into their house for a variety of reasons. Like, yeah, it can come down to like the houses, you know, maybe it's far away and it's a pain, you know, pain the butt to get to. Um, or it's, you know, they don't have a great space, you know, whether it be the backyard isn't closed in, so it's not fence. And it's just like my, I know my kids, they see an open fence, they're running into the woods, they're running into the streets. And I'm just constantly up and down chasing them. Like, that's not a fun time for me. I'd rather them just no house where I can block, lock them in. Uh, like, that's not fun for me. So I look at it that way. I'm like, I'd rather have them come to our house because, like, we have a backyard that can be fenced in and, like, we have you know, stuff indoors, at least in a playground. Like I know they're not necessarily going to run away in a playground. Like they'll be entertained enough with the stuff going on because it's new. It's not their house. Even if it's the same exact thing, swings, slides, doesn't matter. It's not theirs and it's somewhere different. Like I think they tend to be more entertained and, and uh, excited to go there. You know, if I tell Max, Hey, let's go outside and play in our playground. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, let's go to the park. Is it the park? Let's go. And he's like putting his shoes in halfway out the door. So right. it's the same exact thing you're doing. It's just at a different location. Yeah. yeah, That's hundred percent accurate. Um, yeah, this whole world is just it's a, it's a, it's a it's a funny, always awkward experience, stuff like that. And obviously, going into the weekend, these conversations always take place. And you know, obviously, it's weather permitted to your point, but uh, we always find ourselves in the situation. Just reminded me of it because my daughter Eliana, before school, was like, "Can you set us up with a play date?" And I'm like, Ugh. "Yeah." What about one at the park? That was like my my thought. And no, I, yeah, I goes. mean. So I, in our community, like they've been doing for the last, you know, few weeks since it started getting a bit nicer is like they have afternoon kind of groups and like usually depending on the different ages. So like, you know, Max and Aiden are my kids, like they fall into the same category in terms of ages um, and, you know, different people are hosting it in the backyard. So like everybody's going to this one place. It's not like an individual or, you know, one on one or, you know, two or three people. It's. 15, 20 kids showing up to one backyard and all the parents are there. So it's kind of like a hangout for the parents. It's a hangout for the kids all in one location. So I love that because it doesn't put us into the pressure of like, what are we going to do to entertain our kids all, you know, Saturday afternoon when it's you know, 80 or 90 degrees outside and they're just itching to run around. Um, and we don't have to do any of the legwork of like hosting or going or kind of organizing. It's all kind of taken care of. 
No, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I, look, at the end of the day, caring for this, it remi- it's like a, it's like a tired pitcher. It's a tired staff, and you're looking to like manufacture how you're gonna get how you're gonna get your pitchers in the in the in the um, in the game for a game seven. It's like 2004. Derek Lowe, okay, he can last like four innings. Okay, yeah. Pedro, we don't want him throwing. The Yankees own him, but he's got to give us two outs. Right. That's what some of this crap is. Like, I need the play date to last a little longer because this is a long afternoon. And uh, let's we, you know, we all have the same goal in mind, which is just sanity. So, yeah, it's like this is a run out the clock situation. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever great... it takes to get to that sundown right. at dinner time where we can put these kids to bed. Like, right. We will right. Get... We, exactly. We got we to gotta get to our setup man and closer. That's it. And like it, it, it and like I don't want to spend a whole time, but like just the last point I want to make, and you know, there are some parents, and you know, again, not naming any names or nothing, but like kind of reek of desperation of like, please someone hang out with us and our kids. Oh uh, yeah. We can't do it ourselves. Or like not that we can't, but we don't want to, or like they need to be entertained. And like I, they're honestly like if it's not every week, it's every other week. Like I'll see. Not necessarily directly towards me, but definitely sometimes to me, because like Max is, you know, they know Max knows the kids and stuff. Um, but they are like usually asking, like, hey, like we're doing this, so like come hang out with us, we're doing that. And like, I don't know what kind of response rates he, this person gets or whatnot, but it definitely comes up as like a little desperate that like, you know, you're always looking to get someone to hang out with yeah. you kids and family and it's like it's not always like people just hang out families hang out on their own or just you know they don't want to do it every week so there are some families like that that come off as like negative of like well you know maybe we're not gonna go do that because you should be able to just hang out with your kids one day it's not the end of the world yeah, yeah. You, you can say <laughs> it to my face heart but it's okay you can say it to my face you can mention my name <laughs> um but that's, but again that's where the playground response is perfect you know right and then that, that becomes that's exactly it's a very similar thing. It's I'm not gonna mention it's the the kid who keeps asking. It's the you know the girl, the boy that keeps asking the other the the person out. And then they're like, oh well, I'm going to this group party. Why don't you come? That's like the proper classic soft right. way to do it. And yeah, yeah exactly. That's where the playground comes in for sure. All right, let's talk Lakers. Let's get let's into do this. <laughs> um, so. I mean, people could classify as disappointing or not. Uh, so a couple questions for you. The first thing, everyone's already shitting on LeBron for this. Do you think this really hurts his legacy at all? Or does it do none of that? Uh, first, of all, I need to point out that obviously I am a huge Laker hater. I always have been, always will be as being a, as us being both Celtics fans. But I am going to take this with objective thoughts. I I personally don't think this hurts his legacy. I mean, the guy has, from like a basketball perspective, has literally done everything. Like, what else can he accomplish outside of more championships? But, and, you know, maybe the, it's the consistency of kind of staying and sticking with one team. And obviously, he's floating around to a few different teams. I, I mean, the Lakers is clearly his last stop. And it definitely showed, like, it doesn't hurt his legacy. And to be honest, like, I don't think any LeBron James can do any wrong in the NBA world. I mean, you kind of see this both of his on court and off court. I mean, like, did you hear anybody talk about like the other day when he just walked off the court during the blowout? There were like five minutes left. You know, mm-hmm. if someone else did that, and even again, it's a blowout. Like, I personally don't care. Like, I'm LeBron James. I'm pissed. Like, you know, my star, you know, duo has been injured pretty much the entire year. Uh, and he have literally no other support in the cast that can like step up, or if they are, it's very inconsistent. 
you know, I don't care if a player walks off. Like, I don't find it disrespectful as a fan, but like any other player that does that, even if it's a minute before the game, it's like leading sports center, it's leading like first take and get up and all the other shows. Like, I don't recall anybody else talking about this um, in a great length where it's like, you know, kind of disrespectful. And so to me, I don't think this hurts his leg, his, his legacy. Um, you know, obviously they had higher hopes. I think they, kind of played it too safe in terms of like taking nights off during the year. And again, injuries definitely hurt like Anthony Davis being out hurts, but that's what happens when your top two guys you rely on to do 80 or 90% of your scoring. And one of them is out. Like you have no one else to fill that role really on your team. So you're taking a huge gamble, people staying healthy. And we all know that's very difficult to do given the long season and obviously the Lakers being there to the very end. And then the quick turnaround and shortened season this year. So um, long story, I don't think it hurts his legacy, but it definitely, you know, people aren't going to remember him being as a first, like, this is the first time he's exited in the first round in his career, so it's not like this is common for him, but I don't think people are going to remember this in a year or two from now. So I want to so, hit on that point, because I, I think it's, it's it's quite interesting. He has, there's there's dual things that people care about when it comes to LeBron, and, and don't care about, to your point. So I, I for the externality stuff... I completely agree. What I mean by that is, like, the non-basketball related – the non-actual basketball playing, everyone gives him a pass, right? Yeah. So, for, like, you know, the the, the anti-Semitic comments uh, after the rap song, um, you know, the um, – any any sort of off-court behavior, um, even on-court behavior, right? When he shoved, um, you know, his coach in Cleveland, um, you know, uh, during a game, no one really mentioned that. Everyone kind of brushed it off. Right. So any of the non-basketball related stuff, he completely does get a pass. Um, and for whatever reason, you're, you're probably right. It's likely due to uh, they want to protect that image and stuff. And, and, yeah. and to be honest, it's not rare in uh, NBA history when it comes to like the top guy at the time. Right. So I do think Jordan at the time, even though the New York Times and stuff was reporting on it, a lot of the gambling stuff he got a pass on, a lot of the practice behavior, potentially the inner fights on the team, whatever it was, I think they're also not going to expound upon. Um, and that's not going to lead sports center to your point of those other players. And they fought back and stuff and, and they were, you know, did some other behavior offline. It, it's going to, it's going to be a story, you know, with Dwight Howard and what have you. Um, but the opposite is the case with the basketball related stuff, in my opinion. So like, when he loses in the first round, you know, uh, Skip Bayless and all these guys are, you know, he, you know, he's, uh, he should have done more on the court. His basketball uh, should have been in there more. So as in terms of critiquing the basketball, I think he gets far more criticism for, uh, and it's not as warranted as some other guys, but for the opposite, he doesn't. That's how I see it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair. And, you know, especially on the opposite, I mean, like he literally broke the COVID rules health and safety protocols and like got zero punishment whatsoever yep. uh there's like evidence pictures and like again the nba did nothing um not even a fine so totally agree with you off court stuff 100 pass on court stuff yeah obviously everyone expects him to just do it because that's what he's been doing for from an nba perspective in his career like he's never lost in the first round he's never been down in a series in a first round um until now but you know, I think they are. I mean, like, you know, again, I think I heard it already last night and even this morning, like a lot of the excuses like, well, if Anthony Davis was there, they probably would have won the series. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think Phoenix actually was a very talented team. 
I definitely think it would have made these games more competitive, obviously, but I don't know if they actually would have beaten Phoenix, um, even with a healthy Davis, but I think he will get a bunch of passes for, for that. Now I do think what he won't get a pass on or what he should get a pass on is kind of like his demeanor over the last two games, like in the middle of the games, like watching these, like he's dragging up court. He's kind of lackadaisical. He's like asking to come out of games, which was very un kind of character off character for him. Um, he definitely lost that competitive edge. Now, probably he clearly knew this series is over, and he's like already thinking about you know promoting Space Jam too, which is what he did. In the post- that that was ridiculous, interview. by the way. I, you're like, right. Like that's exactly what he did when they asked him about like, are you playing at the Ellipse? He's like, I'll play for the Toon Squad or whatever he came. Back. Yeah, yeah. But that's why you came to LA was to start production and movies and you know have that entertainment life outside of basketball. But uh, it was kind of weird to see it like intertwined literally the second the game was over. Like clearly no issues with the season being over no sign of like regrets or like missed opportunity to defend your title didn't put up any sort of defense you know really in terms of the title so um i think he will get hit, hit on that and i think rightfully so he should because you know he clearly looks like he necessarily gave up but definitely stopped trying i'm, I'm happy with a couple outcomes uh from, from the series forget the celtics fans objectively right so one thing you, you hit on the head I, I don't appreciate when people, you know, it's not good when they take the regular season for granted. That's not good for the league, right? So yes. remember LeBron and Mark Cuban were, were, were pretty pissed about the playing tournament because they said, oh, now we can't rest guys down the stretch. That's good for the league. You want more games being competitive, right, down the stretch. I think the playing tournament is a good thing for that. Um, you can make tweaks to it, what have you, but um, I, I do think that's a really good thing. And the Lakers tried to pull a 95 Houston who finished with the sixth seed and repeated as, as champions. No one else has done a good job of doing that since. What I mean, a good job, meaning like they've, you know, coasted right. big pockets of the regular season and were able to win the title. No one else has done that uh, since uh, the Houston. Other people have attempted. You saw the Lakers even the, in the three-peat. Uh, sorry, when they won, um, when, they, when, they, when they went, for the, when they went to, to win three, they coasted during the first half of the year. They finished with... Uh, I want someone to correct me on this. I, I, definitely not a top two or top three record. San Antonio and others had better records than them during the regular season. So that uh, that's not good for the league. And the hope is with the play-in that now they're going to be you know take us more seriously and they're not going to coast as much. Um, that's a good thing. The other good thing too is basketball is a team game, and I think what has hurt it a little bit is the advent of the super teams has taken away from, like, the role players don't matter, right? It's really about your right. top-tier talent. And it's not a good lesson either. It's not, you know, like, it's a good lesson to say that everyone matters. So it's important that the Lakers did get knocked off. Now I think teams focus more on the 3 through 12 versus always the top two. And fan bases also don't have that excuse either. Like, I heard Kevin Pritchard, the GM of the Pacers, say after they got knocked out, was like, hey, look, you know, not LA and New York. We can't lure free agents. That's no longer an excuse because you could win. Now the teams that are left are like Milwaukee and Utah. Right. Okay. And those are the worst markets in the league. And you still could contend. So I think that's a good story for the league. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally agree on, you know, definitely don't take the regular season for granted. Um, and again, it, you know, take this season with a grain of salt because obviously it was a unique situation for all teams. But at the same time, you know, this is not a new thing of resting players. You know, Popovich was known for doing this for years. You, you know, fans are expecting to see star players are playing, paying a ton of money to go into the stadium. And then all of a sudden a team's just resting. Now, again, I get, I get these people are not, you know, they're humans. They, they need time off. They need to rest. 
But um, to your point, like, you know, around the star power, like the Lakers bench was clearly iffy <laughs> for a lack of a better term. Uh, the rotations didn't seem to make any sense. They seemed to be completely different than what like was happening in the regular season. These, you know, for the most part, you know, I'm not sure why Drummond was playing as much time as he was. Um, and, you know, Vogel was doing a lot of it. You know, the fact that like, especially when you start looking at with Anthony Davis going down and you have to kind of reshuffle the deck a bit, like Gasol is still a solid player. Now he's not as great you know, defensive as he once was. He's definitely lost a few steps, but he's not inept. Um, and I don't know why you signed Montrez Hell Harrell to like not play him, especially in these games where you kind of need like that off the bench, like instant mm-hmm. kind of guy. Like, I would love a Montrez Hell on the Celtics bench right now, like that yeah. energy, that like passion, like you know, that's a huge part of it. He might not, you know, he tear up the stats, but like he definitely brings a lot of other things to the game. And I think he can match like you know what Jay Crowder was doing for the, for the Suns, you know, getting into everyone's face, kind of being that bully, kind of being that that rough guy. I mean, you have a Morris brother on the team also, but it wasn't the same. I just, I just didn't understand some of those rotations and some of those, you know, players, you know, up and down. And I think that impacted obviously in terms of people getting into a rhythm and a flow, but then it goes back. Like, obviously you lose, you, you focus your whole salary on two or three guys. One of those guys goes down. You're really in a bind to find that support and production from the bench, which just hasn't played all year long. So you hit it on the head uh, a couple of things. So one thing is, they failed to analyze what their greatest weakness was, which in my opinion is their wing depth. Like, I don't consider LeBron a wing. He's bringing up the ball, right? He's their right. main handler. And then obviously Davis is, is a post guy or he's, you know, playing play a big man position. So I see his, I, I look at it as like the Brad, the Brad Stevens model where there's like three positions. There's ball handlers, there's wings, and there's bigs, right? Um, so they had, if you look at it that way, they had the worst wing rotation potentially in the league. Okay, and it's honestly true. I mean, like West Matthews, yeah. Tucker, KCP, Kuzma. I mean, how many teams? Ben McLemore. <laughs> Did I lose you? for a little um so the big the big issue first right off the bat is i say this a lot they don't get high if your own supply meaning when you have like these young interesting assets but you don't really have a, a place to play them or usage to give them it's better off dealing them particularly when you're a veteran team to get like a win now kind of move and the guy to move that they had yeah. moved in a couple of years is kyle kuzma now right. his value is declining he's not an off the ball guy he, he's he doesn't make sense with where you need to go. And they had last year to move him in the offseason. They, 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 they needed to, to even, even getting like guys like Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday types. Like, you don't have to go crazy, but you really need to improve that ring rotation and, and keep it Kuzma Hurts. Um, and that's the lesson they should, they should take going into the offseason. Yeah. And now they're kind of stuck. I mean, like, their top three guys, like, you know, James Davis, you know, Harrell can opt in for another ten million a year contract, which he might, because I don't know if he's going to get kind of what kind of money he'll get in uh, in the market. Uh, you know, they're so committed to these like top four players in terms of contract that like they have no spending power uh, to bring in some of these additional role players unless they start trading. And they, I agree, like Kuzma's value has tanked significantly. 
Um, definitely not going to get the same level that you would have gotten in the last couple of years. Um, it's definitely going to be a long road. Um, you know, Palenka has a tough job to do. The big grant, the good thing is like LA is never short on getting players interested in coming to that city. So they, right. you know, kind of to the Indiana GM point, like it does, it is going to be, it is a more attractive city than Indiana. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, from a city perspective, not necessarily from a basketball talent perspective. Um, and how many years, I mean, like how many years has LeBron got? I mean, like he clearly signs, you know, he's never really shown it, but those, I mean, it's crazy when you think about the amount of games, minutes, not just in regular season, but now playoffs that he's playing. And um, it's, it definitely showed. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's got maybe one or two years left at best. And, you know, barring some, you know, injury that might happen that could be dramatically cut short. Um, he's definitely thinking about post-basketball career. I don't think he's, you know, as focused as basketball as he was, you know, halfway through his career. So there's a lot of open-ended questions um, and a lot of things can happen, but it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a long road. Like I think, you know, they're clearly not the four, you know, top four best team in the West, even with a healthy Anthony Davis. I mean, Utah, Denver, Phoenix now, you know, they're all on the rise. Um, Portland can make some moves. You know, I know they lost last night too, but they can make some moves and they still have star power. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And that's just the West East is also getting bigger. So they, they're, they're going to be back in like that maybe six or seven year playoff drought that they just came out of. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. My, my, I thought so. So a couple things. So first put my, my crazy Aton, Aton trade ideas in there. Um, I think, if I'm looking to move Kuzma and actually Harrell, because you're right, he's going to opt in. I think Indiana is a good match because they have a lot of off-the-ball wings, right? You could either do Harrell and Kuzma for TJ Warren and, like, Aaron Holiday. You could do Kuzma and Harrell for Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday. Um, so there's, there's a couple of options to do. Indiana, I like as a match because Harrell, to me, as, like, their backup big with Sabotis and Turner starting kind of adds beef and, like, makes them that blue-collar gold swagger mentality. He, you know, he, he sort of hits them on that niche. And then Kuzma, you put him in a new situation. If you're Indiana, you take a flyer on him. You see if he could do well outside of LeBron's shadow in a place like Indiana. He's going to get no media scrutiny. Uh, and his usage yeah. can increase. It's an interesting roll of the dice. To hit on – and for the Lakers, either you get off-the-ball talent, as I mentioned, or you, you know, either way, or you get the third option, even though Warren's not anything to write home about, he still would be helpful for them uh, in that thing. To hit on your point – they're kind of all in on this LeBron AD thing until LeBron retires, as I see it, right? And you can't, like, if you're keeping LeBron, which obviously they are, right, and they have to, mm-hmm. uh, you're keeping AD with it, so they have to find a way to, like, you know, their hope, you're right. I mean, other teams, there's no guarantee. Other teams are getting better behind them. Um, at the same time, if they could do this tweak, they're, they're still back in it next year if they're healthy, and that, that's the biggest if. I want a new shift the conversation talk about Chris Paul uh, for a second. Yeah. Um, so the thing I wanted to, to ask you is, so obviously Phoenix, this is a big deal for them. They advance. This is a big deal for Chris Paul because in his, obviously as we know, in his career, he's never gone deep in the playoffs. Now he's in the second round. You could sense Phoenix is kind of sniffing. Now they got a shot really to make a run here uh, all the way to the finals. Um, all time point guards and, and kind of historically, I put some thought about this, and I'll, I'll get to the question. There's a couple of positions, and you could argue what number or whatever. Forget, like, I'm not talking about who's the greatest of all time. I don't even want to get to that discussion. That warrants, like, 10 hours. I'm not even gonna, <laughs> we haven't done the research. 
Um, but there's certain positions that I think they've locked in the, either the number one guy all time or the top two and maybe three, right? I think point guard, it's locked in. I think right now it's Magic one and Curry two. I think Curry has established himself yeah. as the second best point guard of all time, right? And if you want to throw in like, oh, is this guy point guard, that guy point guard? I mean, Oscar Robinson, I don't think he's there. I think that's the, that's the top two. Shooting guard, I think is, there's also a clear two. I think it's, I think it's Jordan uh, and then Kobe, right? I think that's the clear shooting guards. Small forwards, I think, has been entrenched historically. I think it's LeBron is a clear-cut number one, small forward of mm-hmm. all time. And then I'm going to say Larry Bird, number two. Okay? And then if you want to talk about third, okay, KD's in the mix. I mean, we still don't know. But third is, is kind of open, pending on uh, the next couple of years, at least for now. Um, for point guard, though, before I, I'm not going to do all the positions, obviously. Uh, Chris, the, the number three is wide open. Okay? You can make an argument. Is Oscar Robinson a point guard? Maybe. Um, John Stockton historically, look, I, 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 I was a fan of those jazz teams. Uh, I, you know, that's, that's a matter of peak versus longevity of your career. Um, Nash is in that mix potentially if you, if you know how you look at the D'Antoni days, um, etc. Chris Paul's in that mix, Isaiah Thomas obviously uh, is in that mix. Chris Paul's in that mix. Do you feel like if he makes this run, wins a title? He's firmly now slotted as the third greatest point guard of all time. What does this do for him historically? Yeah, and I, I'll have to kind of like, in terms of like the ranking, he, he, he's got to get this monkey off his back when it comes to not even winning a title per se, but just like, and it's tough because he can't always control it, it's just being healthy and like being able to compete at 100% effective rate throughout a playoff run you know obviously you know they would have been in the finals and had a very good chance of winning the finals with houston if he doesn't pull that hamstring against golden state a few years ago and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you know golden state comes back and, and makes it to the finals you know and you know beat, i think it was the, the lebron Cavs. like i don't think any team you know the Cavs weren't beating any team from the west from that year so you know he was there he's been there a few times even now he's obviously gets hurt like getting deep in the playoff run and the fact what he did to this team like he had a you know chris paul i agree Tremendous talent, stats and numbers have always been there. Always been a team guy. Players love playing with him. Coaches seem to love coaching him. Or any sort of like issue or anything like that. So he's kind of the full package when it comes to all of that. And he chose to come to Phoenix. Like he wanted to play with Booker. He wanted to play with Aiden and some of these younger guys, and like be that missing kind of championship piece to lead this team to that you know promised land of a championship. And I agree. I think it's. It, I really think it's Phoenix's. West to lose, and obviously they're the one seed, so, one seed, so they've been there at the top of the the mountain pretty much all season. But if he wins this title, then yeah, it definitely puts him, you know, solidifies a lot of stuff. You know, Hall of Fame, you know, no question. But you know, when it comes to like top talent, top ranking point guards, it definitely puts him into that conversation. I don't know if it's number three. I have to kind of think through that a bit, but it's definitely, he's definitely talked about where he's in that conversation, which right now, I don't think I put him in that conversation. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair <laughs> clarification. But I, that's a fair, I think for number three right now, to your point, he's not even in the conversation. You know, you have Nash, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Stockton, obviously yeah. in the conversation. He's not in there yet. Um, I think Chris Paul, though, just like I, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for Phoenix. Um, he, he's so historically underrated because people focus on playoff success, right? They don't realize that Chris Paul was, was a good soldier on these like low market teams. Is there any superstar that's been on more low mar- small market teams? The guy played for New Orleans, 
Yeah. Um, OKC. And, and I mean, the Phoenix is not necessarily a tiny market, but by the time he joined, it was still, you know, not, not one of the stronger ones. Um, and obviously a big what if for him historically is if that Laker deal goes through under, under David Stern. But I feel right. like in general, he is so historically underrated. Every time he goes to a team, they get significantly better. And when they, when they remove him, they get significantly worse. So I don't know what more you need to see. But he's on you, the cl- Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm saying, and you like, you think they would know this. I mean, like, he was like thrown into Oklahoma City, and they were like, yeah, we're like, we're just kind of like going to get rid of him. And they were like, trade rumors to Miami. There's trade rumors to all these teams. And all of a sudden, like, they start playing really well. They become competitive. And it's like, well, what's the, what's different here? It's Chris Paul. And, you know, time and time again over the last five, six years, you know, even up to like the end of the Clippers run, um, which doesn't necessarily, you know, all on him. Obviously, you have much higher expectations with that, you know, Lob City, but they they keep, you know, it GMs, team players, teams, like they keep kind of underrating the value he adds, not just from a production on court, but even just the, you know, leadership and, you know, kind of the mentorship he provides off court. Yeah, absolutely. Real, real quick, let's get to the the series, and I want to get your um, your predictions on these. And and I'm remiss to say, podcast is sponsored by eight 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 Sport. Bet twenty dollars, get eighty eight dollars. Get eighty eight. We have uh, futures on the, on these series right now at eight 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 Sport dot com. So for the future series, let's let's jump right to it. So, um, do you like Phoenix uh, against Denver uh, in in this in the series? I do. I, I, I do. I think Denver has just went through a grind. Um, you know, Denver's playing really well. Obviously, Jokic. I, I just don't see them, how they can sustain that shooting and that offensive power through another series. I mean, Phoenix, I, I, just, think, I just think down the line has more options. Um, and I think Denver is, you know, relying a lot on some of these kind of guys to come in and play that I don't know if that will be sustained through another six or seven game series. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. No question. It's definitely going to, I think it's going to be at least, I say Phoenix in six would be my guess. Right. And on the other bracket, right. We still obviously don't know. Dallas is playing uh, the Clippers tonight, which is, I think actually a, a, a nice essay on playoff coaching. Rick Carl's adjustments there and everything like that. So do you, how do you see that series ending Clippers uh, and Dallas? Do you think Dallas pulls it off? I, I, it's so hard to be. I, I'm rooting for Dallas because I just like seeing the Clippers. Like, I don't know. A part of me just kind of wants to see the Clippers continue to collapse in the playoffs. Uh, and Kawhi Leonard could potentially leave this offseason if they do, uh, which is just kind of ironic because of how much they spent to get them. Um, I personally don't see it. I think the Clippers will pull it out. I mean, clearly every road team has won so far in, in that series. So we'll see. But I don't see if Dallas doesn't pull off. They, I mean, they need Luka to continue to be monstrous. And, you know, Hey, I just wanted to finish things off. It was great to have old friend uh, Hartman on. Just want to go through some picks. Again, brought to you by 888 Sport. Bet $20. Get $88. Promo code GET88. Um, so real quick, this weekend, uh, Hartman gave his picks. Uh, Lakers are in Dallas tonight. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with him. Uh, right now you have, as a money line, Dallas plus 120. The point spread, the Clippers minus three. I think the Clippers win this one. I like Clippers minus three. I was wrong before, but uh, whatever, it's your call. Milwaukee's in Brooklyn on Saturday night. So you have uh, Milwaukee uh, is plus four, Brooklyn minus four. I think Milwaukee steals game one. I think this is going to be a long series. 
and usually the team that has more um, length of time prior to these kind of series uh, tends to to do well. Milwaukee coming off the sweep. I like the plus one four five, or you just want to be safe and cover, or you know, Milwaukee plus four. I like Milwaukee in game one. Uh, Atlanta is in Philly uh, for game one of that series. Um, Sunday at one. Obviously, we don't know Embiid's thing, Embiid's health, and everything like that. Atlanta's coming off some momentum. Atlanta's plus one one sixteen. I like money line Atlanta. Uh, interesting parlay if you want to parlay Milwaukee and Atlanta money lines that, that can give you some good good burn there. Um, I like that. I like Atlanta to beat beat Philly in game one, and then finally Denver and Phoenix uh, in that series. Uh, Denver is plus five and a half. Phoenix minus five and a half. I, I have no idea. That's a toss up for me. Uh, taking a lot of the the road teams, I'm just going to be consistent with it. So I like Denver plus five and a half. I'm not confident in that bet. So don't go nuts. Uh, for futures that I like. So let's do Western Conference and Eastern Conference here. Um, so I, the Clippers right now are plus 650 to win the West. That's that's good odds. I like that a lot at plus 650. That's a great, great odds. Utah's plus 125. Phoenix is plus 200. And Denver's plus 800. I wouldn't see at Denver at plus 800 either. But Phoenix plus 650 sounds good. That's the best bang for your buck. Atlanta uh, in the Eastern Conference, sorry. Brooklyn minus 143. Milwaukee plus 250. Philly plus 400. Atlanta plus 1700. Look, Atlanta plus 1700 is, is, you might as well. I mean, like, it's not, that's an angle I would take. They're, they're going to play uh, Philly without Embiid, likely, in that series. They could win that. And then they got to play the winner of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. If Milwaukee soldiers on, there's a road where Atlanta could win the East. It's crazy. But again, it's plus 1,700. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying there's more than a 5% chance it's going to happen. Uh, otherwise, obviously, Milwaukee at plus 250 is probably your best bet. Uh, and then finally, win the title. You have Brooklyn at plus 170, Utah at plus 320, Milwaukee plus 550, Phoenix plus 600. Uh, Brooklyn is your favorite. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. The Clippers, again, plus 1,100 to win the title. I like that bet. Sixers are only plus 1,000. Um, I like the I like the Clippers at plus eleven hundred or Denver here at plus eighteen hundred to win the whole thing. Those two are interesting to me. Uh, if you want to be safe, just take Brooklyn, guys. They're probably going to win it anyway. They should be a minus. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy betting.